0: So go to Amazon on March 8th, and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late, and you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Eternal Optimist podcast, and today we have... The man, the myth, the legend in the flesh, Justin T. Keltner, the email scientist. Justin, how are you today, brother? Doing fantastic. Doing really well. I'm
1: actually traveling now in Miami, visiting our team here, my partner and her sales team. And we're working on moving a lot of projects forward, closing some deals, optimizing
0: systems. It's been a very exciting last couple of weeks. And you're talking sexy talk here, just optimizing things and closing deals. I I love to speak. And before we go down the rabbit hole of closing deals and everything that you do professionally and why it's worth it for everyone to listen to this, take notes and follow up with you. Before we get to all that, I want to share with the audience some of the things that have been challenging for you in your life. And I'd love to start, Justin, if we could. Can you talk a little bit about your childhood and growing up and some of the things that were challenging for you, please?
1: Absolutely. Get started with the real deep stuff, eh? Love Yes, it.
0: sir. Yes, sir.
1: So first, I'll start by saying that up until perhaps even recently, I thought that my childhood was quite normal. On the surface, everything looked nice, at least from the outside. I grew up with a little sister. She's a few years younger than I am. My parents were together until, until I was like around in high school, right before high school. So you know, we had what to most people might appear just to be a fairly average middle class or even upper middle class upbringing. I grew up in the Bay Area. I was born and raised in San Jose, California, right in the middle of the Silicon Valley where this is even obviously pre-Facebook, but like Google was just starting when I was growing up, when I was a kid. Obviously, you had all the, all the semiconductor companies there. And so I was very fortunate to be raised in a place with so much technology. And I think that that was certainly what inspired me at a young age to connect with computers and to learn so much about technology. And that's how I eventually ended up getting into business and helping a lot of people add millions of dollars to their bottom line with with their businesses. But there was definitely a lot going on, a lot of turmoil kind of behind the scenes that, like I said, just now I'm, I'm realizing, oh, like maybe that wasn't everybody goes through. Like Maybe that's not the typical childhood. Both of my parents, in in different ways, struggled with addiction. My dad has had a lot of problems and still does have problems with alcohol addiction. They were definitely codependent in a lot of ways because my mom, whether she was Manifesting things in her psychology that were a little bit strained or whatever the reason was, she also enjoyed gambling. And as you can imagine, having two parents that have codependent addictions, and then also having two little children that they're trying to raise, mm, sometimes not the best combination. And, and I will say this, I love my parents or I respect them very much. I know that they did everything that they knew and everything that they could with the resources and things that were available to them to do their best. But I think that there certainly were things like their emotional presence, like more financial and, and emotional and, and other types of just stability that it certainly would have been easier to grow up with if those things were there.
0: What's emotional presence? What does that mean in this sense to you, Justin?
1: Emotional presence. Like I mentioned, when I was growing up, we kind of had all the things physically that we needed, even above and beyond. I had a Palm Pilot, one of the first Palm Pilots with Bluetooth when I was, I think, like 12 or 13 years old. Those are cool, man. I was always kind of a little hacker. You know, we had one of those, I won't name this cell phone carrier, but I figured out how to kind of break into their phone. So I had like one of those first LG flip phones with Bluetooth and I actually used their diagnostic tools to hack into the phone with a special cable and then enable Bluetooth. So I actually had full internet Wow! Um, Palm Pilot before (laughs) internet was even a thing that they sold. Like it was even unmetered at that point. But anyway, I had all the little toys. I had all the dude.
0: We can't just throw that out there and stop. That was awesome. I mean, I I believe we're talking to Hugh Jackman from Swordfish. That movie, Swordfish. Right now, we're talking to like the master who can hack into that and and do technology stuff that I can't even talk about. Mm -hmm. So. Thank you for that little anecdote. Please take us back to the emotional presence.
1: Those are the things. So I had all the gadgets. I had all the little toys. But when I was a kid, I would always take everything apart. And the theory was, you know, want to try to put it back together. And that's always what I would tell my mom. So she would go to Toys R Us and buy a brand new, you know, $200 little airplane that actually maybe not flew at that point, but at least like drove around, remote control, whatever. And then she'd see her eight-year-old little boy taking it apart with a screwdriver. And she's like, in her thick Russian accent, she's like, Justin, what are you doing? I just (laughs) spent $200 on this airplane. How are you taking it apart? I'm never going to buy you anything new. And then from that point, other than the little computers and and those sorts of gadgets, she kind of just bought me stuff, you know, from from the garage sales because she knew I would destroy it anyway. But it was a destruction of creation. It was a destruction of learning. It was it was taking apart all these little things to see how they fit together, which was kind of also another big theme in my life. But all of those physical necessities for the vast majority of our childhood, my sister and I had those things handled. You know, we had. Trips to Aruba and the Bahamas. I remember me and my little sister, Melanie, they were uh, singing. I forget what it was. It was like one of the Aruba, Jamaica, like one of those songs. Kokomo, baby.
0: Beach Boys. I love that, that song. On that one. They are singing it at,
1: the, at the resort we were at, and I was dancing around with her. I think we still have a little, little picture. So it was like, again, on the surface, everything kind of seemed good, but... At the same time as we were on that vacation, and I think it, it was Aruba or, or Cancun or somewhere, my dad was sick every day going to the hospital there on the resort because he was drinking so much, like he, he literally could not function. And so in the in the pictures, you see kind of one thing. And then underneath, there's all this other stuff going on where to your original question about emotional connection, not only did we not feel like we had a connection because both of our parents were kind of numbing themselves with things distractions and they and they weren't fully present for us. So not only that, but we also had to I mean, both really like grow up much much earlier because instead of being able to actually be a kid, what I really had to do was grow up. I mean, I started earning money when I was probably 11 years old wow. in part because sometimes things were really tough financially, but more just as a way to kind of get myself out of that situation because it was really 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 tough to look around you and see the people that are kind of supposed to be raising you, just destroying themselves and each other. I know it's a little dark, but you said you wanted it to go deep. That's kind of the reality of the situation. So having those challenges and those obstacles to overcome really, really young growing up was definitely what has allowed me to learn a lot of lessons that I have learned. And it's made me significantly stronger. If I would have just had things super, super, super easy, I don't think it would have been quite the same.
0: Thank you. I I love you for saying that because I believe that's one of the main tenets of being an eternal optimist is that we didn't get here just because everything's Pollyanna and vanilla and all happy and smiley all the time. No, we we come to this place of seeing the, the light and the positive because we've undergone some really challenging stuff. And I wonder from what you're sharing, I wonder what your relationship with alcohol and your thoughts around alcohol were from a young age Can you talk about that for a sec, what you think about alcohol from a young age and bring that forward a little bit?
1: Absolutely. So I've somehow, and maybe I got lucky in this aspect, I've managed to be able to try different things in life and to experiment and to kind of, I don't know, you could say dabble in different areas. I don't want to go like too much into detail, but I have always known in the back of my mind, like, Hey, whatever it is that I try, I need to be very careful with that thing. Like I said, I'd rather not go into the specifics, but whether you call it sex, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll, I think that everything in life, if you can moderate it, is okay to try in moderation. The problem is the reason behind a lot of these addictions, and I've gone a little bit into studying the psychology of it as well, it's the reason why you do something you want to smoke a joint because you're hanging out with your friends and you want to relax and you want to smoke a joint every once a month, once a week, whatever. I mean, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Is it a good thing? Is it a healthy thing? Do I do it? No, because I like to be in a very clear state of mind. I almost don't drink at all. I'm not really a fan of drugs. I've tried different things and it's like, there's an exception, which is like, okay, you know, there's plant medicine, there's things like that, which I think that if you're under, and this, this goes back to my last point about the why you're doing something, right? If you're under the guidance of a shaman and you want to go and try ayahuasca, I think that's a great thing to do. And I think that for a lot of people, and it was for myself, it can be extremely, extremely healing and revealing. But if you think that drinking after work because you're tired and stressed and you just kind of want to take the edge off a little bit, you think that doing that is really going to help you or be sustainable long-term, honest truth is, and I've seen it with my own eyes, it's really not because sometimes that's how it starts. But it, it depends so much on the why. I can go out to a bar, I can have a drink or two, I can have a beer. I don't like drinking very much. I don't particularly like going out much either. I used to have a little bit of a party phase where I lived in Vegas for a year and a half and we went out. But even then I wasn't drinking. It was mostly for the social thing, going out, getting to meet a lot of people, being a host during events. I think that's really what I, but I I never was a big drinker even living in Vegas because it lessens my ability to interact well with people, to focus, to be able to work the next day. So like personally, I I think that if you can moderate things, fine, but make sure that you really have a good idea of the balance because weed, alcohol, drugs, all these different things that you can do, it might seem like, okay, this is just kind of lighthearted fun and whatever, but it's very easy to fall into a trap, especially if you get into it for the wrong reasons. And I would much rather do 15 or 20 minutes of breath work or exercise or meditation than to try to depend on another substance. Because I'll go into a little bit just around health and spirituality and how all these different things relate. It's like we as human beings already are gifted with like the most powerful laboratory on the planet. That's our bodies. Our pancreas and other organs are capable of synthesizing pretty much whatever it is that we need. I've been dabbling a little bit too much lately in coffee cuz my girlfriend is a huge fan of cafecito of cuban coffee and so she, she taught me how to make some, and it was delicious and i'm like oh this is really good and then i started drinking it 2 3 days in a row and i was oh wow i don't have coffee then i start to get like like jittery it has has the opposite effect so now i'm like okay great let me let me just kind of cleanse i've got my I've got my tea right here, my little tea latte, but it's all about a balance. And I think it's really important to just do what makes you clear to move the blocks out of the way so that you can actually be fully present and focus on the challenges ahead of you. Don't let yourself get lost in those negative habits or substances or things that you might eventually depend on when, frankly, we have everything that we need right inside of us.
0: And I love everything you just shared. You took what many would say very challenging opportunity to learn and be around alcohol and, and seeing the effects of it in a, in a painful and in your face kind of way for a while. And you just eloquently shared some learning lessons and something from someone who's been around that. And I appreciate for doing that. And where you came out somewhere, I completely agree with Is I also want to have a clear mind. I also want to be able to use what I would call my most powerful organ, which would be my brain, the ability to think and the ability to be clear in the messages I'm putting out there and you succinctly shared that so I love that and I also want to check out some of this cafecita Cuban coffee yeah so thank mm-hmm. you for yeah come to Miami anytime we'll make you some well I look forward to that because here's a shameless plug for my uncle. My uncle, Don Drinkon, was the head football coach at South Dade High down there in Dade County for 35 years. And as a result of that, they have a specific day. I believe the day is May 14th is Don Drinkon Day in Dade County. That's my uncle. So we've been down there uh, to celebrate that a number of times. So uh, I may take you up on that Miami offer one of these days. So let's move forward then. You shared a little bit about childhood growing up, Justin, and I know that you have had the opportunity to experience a couple more things in business. Can you talk about any financial, like bankruptcy challenges, anything around finance and learnings in business that you've experienced? Absolutely. So I think that I've made Most
1: of the mistakes that one could make in life with regards to finances and money, I think Donald Trump just kind of nonchalantly talks about all of all of his bankruptcies and how, you know, he was able to overcome them and whatever. Even Donald Trump's never had a, a personal bankruptcy. And I've gone through two of those. And those aren't fun at all. Ironically, both of my parents also had multiple bankruptcies. So not the past the torture or the blame onto them, but it's really funny how much we kind of live out and repeat patterns from our past. I started making a lot of money at a very early age. I was 20, 21 years old, living in the Bay Area, still living at home. I still had a room at home at 21. And I was making, I think my best year was in that time period. It was like 130, $140,000 a year.
0: Whew. 21, living at home. Wow. (laughs) Living at home
1: and not really spending money on on food, on anything. I mean, I traveled. I had a lot of money going out on stupid stuff. I had an Amex Platinum card. For those of you that have seen those or know what that... Like where it's literally unlimited. You could buy... I mean, I guess I couldn't have actually bought a Jet with that card, but it has no spending limit. So you get the Platinum card. They give you global entry for free. You can get to all the airport lounges. I had at least almost like 60 or $70,000 Audi brand new. And let me say this. So good decision. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I love that Audi. Right. That was, that was still a taste. I'm like, I really, I'm, I'm bougie. I really like nice things. And it wasn't just the supple leather or the pushless start. It was like the fact that it had a, hotspot built into the car and you could connect 10 computers in the car and you search with your voice you say i want a sushi restaurant it'll pull up and this was years ago i mean this is what 2015 20 and this is like the most advanced technology in a car you put sushi restaurant and the voice recognition not only will it actually pull up the map but it shows you pictures of the food and then you could actually see them and then see the reviews and then and then tell the audi you want to navigate like i had all all the stuff man trips to Europe. I went to Europe like twice a year, <gasps> Whoa! spent three months in Europe, which considering I, I was actually launching another business at that time with a partner of mine was probably a mistake because the internet was almost non-existent where I was at in the countryside of Austria, certainly improved since then.
0: Okay. But, <laughs> Nothing against anyone from Austria. Yeah. <laughs> no. Austria's Dude, wow. Country, so you're living this lavish lifestyle and yeah. you've got, oh, I'm excited just to hear this because this is the life that I've, also lived and spent a lot and spent through a lot of money. So I'm glad you're sharing this. Please continue. Sorry to interrupt. Please go ahead. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that was, it was like I was making over hundred K a year and I was spending over 200, just racking up the credit card bills. I had, I mean, all the cards you could imagine, Amex, Platinum, Barclays, Citibank, World, Premier signature, whatever Apple card, like Audi loans, what else? And, and there was a lot, a lot of business debt too. I mean, most of it was business debt, but a lot of it was lifestyle spending—money on things that, frankly, I shouldn't have been, been spending money on. Because this is kind of a saying in the in the financial community, and I don't know how true this is, but it's like if you can't really afford to buy something with cash twice, you probably don't have any business financing it. I would say with an exception, maybe real estate, because real estate can make you a lot more money, assuming that it's an investment property. But it was me making decisions from a place of ego and me getting so used to the money coming in that I thought that it would just keep coming in and keep coming in and keep coming in. And there was a point, and I actually was living in Mexico at the time. I was living in Cabo. And I think that my business was already kind of taking a little bit of a downturn and I was perhaps trying to escape. I lived near the beach in Cabo for a while. I'd like to say that it decreased my cost of living, but you can't really decrease your cost of living too much from when you're living at home. I was living down there and I was too disconnected from things. And I think that I probably got in really over my head financially and that financial stress caused me to not make as much money as I was making before. And little by little, the payments, you know, started getting higher than the income and it just kind of came toppling down.
0: Man, what was that like the day that you made that decision and you declared the bankruptcy? And what was that feel like? What happened on that day? Well, it was
1: actually a bunch of things culminating at once. So I had a a relationship. I was dating this girl down there. That ended and that was kind of coming to its own end for a lot of different reasons. Partly me feeling like there was a lot of, I don't know, interest in the wrong things maybe on her part. So it was like ending the relationship, filing bankruptcy, losing almost all of my clients, leaving Mexico, driving. I had like a 2002 Ford Escort. Old, it was like a 10 or 15 year old car barely running. I drove that all the way back, like 1,500 miles or so, all the way from Cabo on these crazy two-lane Mexican roads, winding through the mountains, passing trucks. In like two days, we did the drive. It was just me and my golden retriever, Puppy. And she was not prepared for road trips yet. So 1,500 miles all the way from Cabo to LA, driving in a car that was falling apart, (laughs) barely made it there. The car broke down pretty much as soon as I arrived. And then on top of that, Having to move back in with my mom after being on my own for essentially two or three years. So business collapsing, bankruptcy, loss of all my income, ending a relationship. And that took me into quite a spin. I feel very grateful that the Daisy, my dog, who's not behind me, she's actually back home in Guadalajara now. I didn't take her with me on this trip. But very, very, very grateful. At some level, I mean, I do believe in angels. I definitely believe in God, the universe, something greater. And I think that there was a reason that she had come into my life. Because if it wasn't for having to feed Daisy, having to take care of her, having to to take her out, you know, for walks, I just really don't know how I would have gotten through that. It was dark. It was tough. I'd be lying if I said there weren't days where I just said, you know what, screw all of this. I'm better off not here. But because of her, I was able to push through because I said to myself, you know what, forget about me. Who's gonna take care of this poor innocent <laughs> creature if if I'm not here anymore? I know my mom wasn't gonna do it. She could barely manage to race us. I don't know what she's gonna do with this big dog. And I said, that's something that I have to be responsible for. And I, I can't I can't go. Like I need to I need to stick around and make sure she's okay. And so she kept me going.
0: Yeah. Man, I Justin just thank you for being so transparent and sharing this very challenging time in life. And I know a lot of our listeners can relate to this and relate to having it all, you know, having the business going well and things feel great and they, they aren't going to stop and then stuff happens. And then a relationship is challenging over here and then finances are challenging. And before you know it, it's over and we have to hit the reset button in some way. You've so transparently, eloquently shared that. So thank you for sharing. And I wonder if you could Transition for us now from the bankruptcy part into where you're heading now and what's important to you today. Because if the listeners are are really paying attention, they're like, "Man, you had all this stuff and it was hard, and then a lot of challenge growing up, and then successful built it was, and then lost it." And they're not quite sure where we're going.
1: I didn't even mention the car getting repossessed from my friend's garage while I was in another country. The Audi? Like everything, <laughs> like coming back. Yeah. Oh. Coming back, no, no car, no money, no clients, basically homeless if it wasn't for my mom. No, like nothing, 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 nothing
0: left. Tell us, take just a little bit of time and share with us, what are some of the biggest learning lessons that you've brought forward from that particular stage in your life, Justin? I would say, number one, it's really to be humble.
1: Because you might think that you're on top of the world today, and you might turn your chin up at people or feel, I was guilty of it. I felt a ton of entitlement. I felt like I deserved everything that I had. And that was the problem. It's like whether you have a lot of stuff or whether you have nothing, you don't deserve any of it. That's not to say you shouldn't love yourself, and you shouldn't have this this intrinsic belief that, you know, you are amazing because we're, we're so lucky. I'm so grateful just for all of the opportunities That I've had in my life, but do I deserve a thing in this physical world just because? No, I don't. I only deserve exactly what I have, and I have what I deserve. And I I think that was so the humility and that kind of go hand in hand. So the humility and the deserving really go hand in hand because when you're humble, you can acknowledge that, wow, whatever I have in my outward reality is purely a manifestation of the actions that I take. So it's a lagging indicator, sure. Meaning that what you see outwardly may not reflect your behaviors right now or your internal state right now because your internal state drives your behaviors, drive your results. It's the trifecta, it's beliefs, actions, results, something like that. Tony Robbins talks about it in in different ways. But it's a lagging indicator. So you might not see exactly what your mindset is saying right now. It might take a few months or even a few years to, to fully manifest in reality. But whatever you have, whatever is there, it's just like you make your own bed, you get to sleep in it. So that's the humility. If you're humble and you realize I don't deserve anything, whatever I have is purely a result of what I'm putting out into the world, then you can actually change your situation. So if people are saying, you know, I'm in a really tough situation right now. Yeah, I'm sure you are. And this isn't to compare. This isn't like to measure sticks here, but I was almost $200,000 in debt. Like I had five six thousand dollars a month just in payments going out to debt to loans so all, all that stuff so if you're at zero right now and you're like yeah okay I'm making enough money basically to barely scrape by like I was underwater I had dozens of calls coming in every single day from credit it was it was a nightmare coming out of that right it was it was the humility it was the realizing how everything is connected to what's going on with my own mind and that I needed to this is another lesson mindset. is just really keeping my mental space clear and meditation helps with that. I got into Qigong a lot, which is this ancient Chinese practice of, of moving, you're probably familiar, moving energy throughout your body. That helped a lot, getting grounded, just keeping the mental chatter down so that everything that needed to, to flow was free to flow, whether that was relationships, family, business. When you clear your mind, it makes things much more possible. For you, And then I would say another thing is that the one thing that nobody can take away, no matter what, and I just feel really called to share this, if people are like feeling down, and they're not sure what the purpose of their life is, like what the meaning is, this is actually kind of where I learned this concept, because I got on a huge just personal development binge as I was going through a lot of these things. And, And coming out of it, I went on a binge. And one of my favorite books that I read was A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he talks about how even in the concentration camps, the one thing that nobody could take away from him was his mindset, was his ability to say, yes, it might be an absolute nightmare outside of me, but I can only control what's right here between my two ears. And going through all that, going through, like, obviously nothing compared to his experience, but we all have our own unique experiences and they affect us in different ways, and it's important to realize that. It's like everything can happen on the outside, but when you're calm, you're at peace with yourself, And you can control your own mind. You can fix it. You can make everything work. Nothing aside from death is permanent. So if you're in that place, work on your mindset. Get outside. Get in the sun. Read an inspiring book. Read an autobiography of someone successful so that you can see how they overcame challenges. Listen to podcasts like this. Listen to my podcast, The High Impact Entrepreneur. I'll throw out a shameless plug here. You're going to be on it soon as well. But that's what you need to do. Get your mindset right. That was the most important thing for me.
0: These are great lessons, and uh, can you share with us uh, your podcast again, Justin? What is it? Yeah, it's called the High Impact
1: Entrepreneur with Justin Keltner. We're going to have some episodes actually being released here in the next couple of weeks. We've got a a good backlog of content, but what we talk about that on what we talk about on that podcast is really how as an entrepreneur. We can do more than just enrich our own lives and make money. It's not just about making money. It's about creating an impact in our lives, our businesses, and our communities. And I see entrepreneurship really as a way to transform the world around us into something that's better for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for people around us. That's a big reason why I decided to start the business that I'm in now, which I think you were just getting to that, which is... I worked with a lot of coaches. In fact, throughout all these challenges that I had, the one thing that I kept coming back to was personal development. I did my first personal development workshop actually at 17. It was called the Landmark Forum. And I did a lot of work. Nice. Have you have you done the, the forum as well?
0: I have not, but I had the creator of the Landmark Forum on the show. And I've heard about it. And it's awesome that you have done it. What is personal development? What does that even mean to you, Justin? Personal growth development. Personal development means getting out of your own shit so that you
1: can be better in your own life and be a role model, be an example for other people. That's what it means to me. And there's layers to it for sure. But that to me is personal development at at its most basic level.
0: Fantastic. I love it. So, man, you've shared lessons, you've started to share the podcast and yeah, I want to go straight into what you do and kind of set the stage for us and tell us about your company and why what you're doing right now is important to you and important to the world? Absolutely. So
1: my latest, I guess, venture or brand, if you will, is called the email scientist. That's actually what a lot of my clients have called me. First, it was the Swiss army knife of digital marketing. And then it later became the email scientist because I've worked with business owners, coaches, consultants, training companies, sales organizations to help them create and It's really hard to track an exact dollar amount, but it's definitely in the seven or eight figures already of additional revenue that we've been able to create for our clients as a result of the work that we've done. Wow! The avatar that I work most frequently with already has a big email list. They've got 20, 30, 50, 100,000 people on their, their email list. So a lot of them are big time influencers as well. I'm under NDA with some of them, so I won't get into too many of the names, but people that have 500,000 to a million followers or more on various social media platforms where they've got the eyeballs, they've got the attention, they're probably not doing as good of a job as they can doing things like capturing emails and building customer lists, but their biggest challenge is they've got fairly large customer lists, right? In that the 10, 20, 100,000 person a list size, and they're just not doing enough to really capitalize on that. So maybe they think that An email newsletter is the way to go, and that's all you need to send, which I thoroughly disagree with. Yeah, there's a place in some industries to have kind of a weekly update, but if you're sending emails out and you've got two, three, four, five, ten calls to action in an email, you're just not capitalizing on the potential that you have that's sitting in your list to both increase your revenue from that list and also increase your impact. So I tend to balance those two things as much as possible because ultimately business is a vehicle. Simon Sinek talks about this a lot. It's not about having a business so that you can make money. I got to meet Simon, actually, several years back at an Infusionsoft conference, touching back to our old story, right, with my dad and everything else. I met him at a conference. I think it was either Infusionsoft or one of Dan Kennedy's events and got to shake his hand and meet him in person. And he gave me a signed copy of his book. And in that book, Simon wrote, he, he said, Justin, be the father that you never had. And I'm like, oh, how did he... And that was after 15 seconds of an interaction. Am- amazing. Just just how Whoa. <laughs> how like on point and intuitive this guy is.
0: Yeah. Amazing. You just mentioned like what many people would call the optimists in our country, Simon Sinek. So I love that mm-hmm. uh, you, you weave that yeah, into the story. He's a big,
1: big inspiration cool. of mine. Awesome. And he says, he says, don't don't think of your business as, as a way to just generate money. Money is the gas that you put in the car to get to your destination. Your business exists to fulfill a mission in the world. That mission, so in my case, it's and this is this actually came about as a result of going through his whole start with my process. My mission is to really help people be seen, heard and felt by those that they can make the most difference with. And so in this case, because of all the experience I had with personal development, with consulting with those types of organizations, it started off and it's certainly evolving. We're doing equity plays with even larger companies that are still like B Corps and other positive influences in the world, but it's a lot in the coaching and consulting space. And my mission is to help those people reach their audience in a bigger way, not just throw a bunch of money into the corporate behemoths that are the the social media companies and just pay more and more on ads. It's to actually optimize. That's what the theme is with all of this stuff, Matt. It's optimization. So we want to optimize what you're already doing, what you've already got in your current customer list. And that's why it's so close. So the gas in the car, that's what money is. Money for me is just a vehicle to impact more people's lives. And yes, sure. Also build shelters and schools and, and orphanages in places like Mexico where I live, which has a lot of poverty and Africa and in different, different places throughout the world where we just need to throw not only money at it, but also creativity. We want to be creative. So I'm like, how do we also market nonprofits and do things like that? But the main business is around those coaches that are already transformational thought leaders. How do we help them reach their audience in a bigger way and, and make a bigger impact with those people?
0: Dude, this is phenomenal. I love your mission. I mean, to help people feel seen, heard, felt, to spread their impact and to help people reach their audience in a bigger way. I'm in love with the mission because the mission feels like on a mission to help, on a mission, as you said, to optimize things for people in the world. It wasn't about uh, almighty dollar. As part of it, it's not the why behind it though. So I, I love that. Because I've had that. I've had the nice stuff. I've had the new cars. I've had yes. the, the
1: trips. And it's, it's nice. But once you have enough of that, you finally realize like, no, there's another level of that. It shows up in different ways, but it's the self-actualization. And then after that, it's, it's giving back and doing what you can to give to others that aren't quite at that level. It's pulling them up.
0: Yeah, I think we might go into a little rabbit hole for a moment. we got to be careful because I know we've only got a few more minutes to go. The rabbit hole I'm referring to is this self-actualization place that once you've gone through all the stuff and you've reached the pinnacle and then you've reached the low and you've seen it all, in my mind, that's when you are now able to feel something that we might call a Maslow's hierarchy of needs of self-actualization where you're able to be truly comfortable and know yourself, to be present with yourself. And I'm wondering, is there a moment when you really felt comfortable in your own skin and loved yourself. If we define it in similar terms, I wonder if there was a moment that finally the pain was gone and you were able to move forward confidently and serve others.
1: The pain is never going to be gone. Just like the challenges so that the stress people say, well, I just want to get to this level where I have so much money that I just don't have problems anymore. I don't have stress. I don't have anxiety that only happens when you're dead. We're meant to thrive with problems. We exist so that we can solve problems. And that goes back to the hierarchy part of your question, which is, okay, we start with the basic needs, with the shelter and food and security and a partner and building a home and having a family and all these other things. And you go kind of up the hierarchy to self-actualization. And people think, okay, yeah, I just want to make a ton of money and just have Everything like Gucci, right? Everything is great. There's no more problems. That never happens. As long as you're alive, you're going to have problems. You're going to have stress. You're going to have challenges. And I think the key to all of it is finding that stillness up here. The, The question you asked about problems also relates to, in a big way, what I've learned about meditation through my spiritual journey. And a lot of people struggle to meditate or don't even start at all because they say, well, there's no way that I could possibly clear all of the thoughts from my mind. There's just too many. They're going too fast. Meditation isn't about clearing the thoughts, just like life and money and business aren't about solving all of the problems. Meditation is about focusing on one thought at a time, just like success in business is about focusing on your mission. You don't eliminate all the problems. You just start getting better and better problems and you get faster and faster at solving them.
0: I love that. You don't eliminate the problems you simply get better problems and you get better and faster at solving problems. And I love all of that. Well, Justin, help us. How do we find out more about you? How do we connect with you? Where's the best place to find you? Just tell us how we find Justin Keltner out there.
1: Best way to reach out. I'm at Justin T. Keltner. That's K E L T N E R on most of the socials, Twitter, Facebook. I'm most active, probably LinkedIn, Instagram, Instagram, I think I'm the same on TikTok as well. So Justin T. Keltner will put that in the show notes. That's most of my platforms. First, five people that are listening to this, if they want to have a chat, whether it's just about anything we talked about on the show, anything business, email related, feel free to reach out. You can find my website and a form to contact me at theemailscientist.com. And if they go to theemailscientist.com guide, in case they're interested in any of the email marketing Related stuff. There's actually a guide on how I helped a client of mine to increase her sales call bookings by 1,350% in a week through some optimizations and things we were doing with deliverability and, wow. and uh, more importantly with other streams, a uh, text messaging, basically optimizing the funnel so that it wasn't just email. We had other components as well. Because people, you know, in business, it's so funny. They're afraid to like text people or pick up the phone or even ask for a phone number. And we did that literally over 10x our results in a few days so things like that i won't go into i won't give it all away it's in the guide if, if they want they can opt in for it but feel free to just reach out too you want to send me a message i'm more than happy to chat you're dealing with some stuff i um, happy to talk and see how i can help whether it's personal or business or however i can be of service i really love connecting with people like your listeners matt
0: absolutely And you've heard what Justin shared. He is the email scientist, which is the brilliant, brilliant marketing, man, the email scientist. And I've had the privilege to spend some time with Justin in a a mastermind group that we're both a part of and to hear his success stories and to hear a little bit more about how the, the cookbook has all these great recipes. I've seen it and I heard it, and he shared a little bit of it today. Reach out to Justin if you are in that avatar or you just want to find out more about Justin and get the free guide. Reach out to him. Justin. It's been a real pleasure to have you on today, and we have graduated to the lightning round, ding, ding, ding. So I've got a couple questions to wrap things up today. First would be, when you hear the term eternal optimist, what does that mean to you, eternal optimist?
1: I really love this one, and I'm a big fan of your show because what you're doing, the content that you're producing is so inspirational. It's not just dry business stuff. I mean, you can learn from Google how to set up some basic Facebook ad phones. It's not about necessarily just the tactics. It's about the mindset. And I think that that concept of being an internal optimist fits so well into everything that I do and that I teach in my coaching practice, because when you look at the future and you have this kind of cloudy version of the future and you say, I don't don't know if I'm going to be successful. I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this business get off the ground. I mean, there's a chance that it might work out. There's a chance that it might not work out. We never know we're not God, we can't predict the future. But the way that I like to look at it is, is this an empowering belief or is it a disempowering belief? And looking at it through the lens of the eternal optimist allows you to turn everything into an empowering belief. And when you look at it through that lens, I think that it makes success at the end of the day, really inevitable.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. I would love to ask you, you've already shared Man's Search for Meaning. It's been a very impactful book for you in your life. Is there another book you might be able to recommend that's had an impact in you
1: just the first thing that, that came to mind there was start with why by simon sinek that was definitely one of my favorites i'll throw something else out there just kind of a wild card this doesn't sound like it might apply to most people but it actually does because i'm recovering software engineer if you will computer technician like i used to build systems from scratch and i still do a little bit of that so i've never really identified with this concept of like an artist per se. But after reading The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, I believe, that book totally, totally, totally changed my life because it allowed me to see how I was letting these things from my past impact my creative expression in the present. And Creative expression, like I just started this huge launch, and I'm producing a lot of content. Part of it is from podcasts like this. Part of it is just from kind of stream of consciousness videos. But I was never able to do that before because I always blocked myself. But when you start to look at things through the lens of an artist and you read a book, like you realize that even if you're an IT type of minded person, a very analytical, left-brained person like I am, the art is really a huge part of that creative process, and it, it's so impactful
0: in, in business. This has been awesome. Thank you for sharing this. We'll end with one final question. Is there a song, some music that really gets you inspired and gets you into your creative mode where you're just, you're ready to go? Your inspiring music
1: yeah you know and i've shared this i think on one other podcast but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the late Avicii. his music continues to be extremely inspiring so his song levels just absolutely gets me pumped up i'm a big fan of not all electronic music because honestly most of it's crap but i think that he's got some really good stuff so levels is definitely one of my favorite pump up songs
0: awesome i'm going to spotify immediately to put that on thank you for being with us today justin it's been a real honor and a pleasure to have you on we love you and thank you for sharing transparently your story and we wish you the best and everyone out there reach out and connect with justin keltner and the email scientist.com slash guide to get the scoop justin thanks a lot my friend appreciate you thanks so much matt
1: great to be here